0: Please listen carefully.
1: Hello, and welcome to Caveat Realtor with Virginia
0: Realtors, where we discuss the real issues that realtors face. I'm Jessica Toons. And I'm Kate Orslang. Remember, Caveat Realtor is meant to provide general legal information. The information forms and laws referenced in this episode are accurate as of the date this episode is first released. Nothing we discuss should be considered as legal representation or legal advice. Hey, Kate. Hey, Jessica. How's it How going? How are you doing? Good, good.
1: Great. So today we're just going to get right into it. We're going to talk about some website accessibility issues. And we've discussed in earlier podcasts and articles um, a little bit about website accessibility, that the business world is seeing an increasing number of plaintiffs sending demand letters to businesses uh, businesses that have websites stating that their website is inaccessible to persons with disabilities and so it is in violation of Title III of the ADA
0: and where you see demand letters, you see litigation. The number of actual legal cases has more than tripled just since 2017 and continues to grow.
1: And now if there's a silver lining in all this, the good thing about more cases is that we get more guidance to share with you on how to protect your business and manage your risk. So today we're gonna talk about how some of these cases have gone in jurisdictions that are close to or directly affect lower court cases in Virginia.
0: First, a self-described website accessibility tester, and I'm using air quotes there that you can't see, has filed numerous lawsuits alleging violations of the ADA for hotel websites not complying with requirements to describe their disability accommodations in a certain way on their website.
1: So her cases have mostly been dismissed, with the most recent dismissal coming from a federal district judge in Maryland. Now, the judge there concluded that the plaintiff did not have standing to sue because she had no actual intention of visiting the hotel she filed suit against in that case.
0: Interesting. The U.S. Constitution restricts federal courts to hearing actual cases or controversies. The judge found that merely visiting the website to test And air quotes, the accessibility requirements, was insufficient to meet that requirement because she could not show individualized or particularized injury. And another judge hearing a similar
1: case with the same plaintiff noted that the woman did not present any facts indicating that she planned to stay at the hotel she sued or even that she planned to come to the state where it was located.
0: In 2019, the Fourth Circuit Court of Appeals, which includes Virginia, heard a similar case. In that case, the plaintiff claimed a credit union website was not accessible to him. However, the credit union was one specifically open to current and former employees of the Department of Labor and their relatives, which the plaintiff was not.
1: So the court dismissed the case, also for lack of standing, because the plaintiff did not allege any facts that he could become a member of the organization whose website was allegedly
0: inaccessible. The court held that a plaintiff in such a case must allege an injury that is concrete, particularized, and immediately threatening. The injury can't be abstract or general.
1: So these case outcomes mean that it may be harder for website accessibility testing to become a normal part of business going forward, at least for now. If such plaintiffs cannot get their foot in the door to the court to make their argument, it doesn't look like a very lucrative endeavor.
0: However, just because these plaintiffs are having a hard time getting into court to argue the merits of their cases doesn't mean that a business websites don't need to be accessible to those with disabilities. We must point out that federal courts have interpreted the ADA as requiring businesses that are public accommodations to have websites that are accessible.
1: But what does accessible mean? Neither the the federal nor the state government has conclusively established specific standards or guidelines for businesses to follow to ensure that they're complying with disability laws.
0: However, the Department of Justice and the courts who have dealt with these cases have defaulted to the Web Content Accessibility Guidelines, which is a set of guidelines created by an international standards organization called the World Wide Web Consortium, also known as W3C. Also,
1: sounds very ominous.
0: (laughs) But I I don't think they're very
1: ominous in in real life. Over the years, the group has developed several sets of standards. Their current recommendation is titled version 2.1, and it looks like they're planning to publish version 2.2 sometime in 2021. But the standard that the DOJ and the courts have referred to is the previous one, version 2.0. And
0: within the standards, there are levels single A, which is the least stringent, to triple A, which is the most stringent. Courts have frequently cited the middle, double A, level in their rulings. I feel like we're talking about batteries.
1: (laughs) Double A (laughs) consortiums. So we discussed the major principles of these guidelines in depth in previous podcasts, so please check those out for more information. But at a 10,000 foot view for this podcast, the guidelines include making sure the website works with popular screen readers, including tags for images, providing captioning for videos, and ensuring the website can be navigated with only a keyboard because some disabled persons cannot use a mouse.
0: We do recommend that you go ahead and get your website up to the guidelines. The Federal Court for the Western District of Virginia held in a 2018 case that if you get served with a website accessibility lawsuit and you upgrade your website to comply with WCAG 2.0 level AA standards before the case is heard, the court will grant a motion to dismiss. So that is an example of a court pointing to these guidelines as a standard to follow.
1: So Kate, let's take it to the legal hotline with a question that has not actually come into the legal hotline, but is one that I think could after someone listens to this podcast, (laughs) which is why is testing allowed for other fair housing practices, but not this one?
0: That really is a great question. Fair housing testing is permitted under a specific Department of Justice program dedicated to identifying unlawful housing discrimination. While this does include identifying discrimination due to disability, it is not extended as of this time to testing individual business websites, including brokerages for accessibility. And given that there are no conclusive federal guidelines as to what an accessible website is, we don't expect that to be a part Of standard fair housing testing.
1: So let's talk a little bit about limiting your risk. As we noted before, we do recommend that you update your website to comply with the guidelines cited by most courts as sufficient. There are many companies out there that can help you with this, so explore your options. There are also free resources, including the Virginia Department of Education, which has a website that contains accessibility tools and resources, including applicable guidance documents and several testing and evaluation tools.
0: Even if you don't have a website, you almost certainly use email. Make sure that works with text-to-voice systems. And
1: be sure that your advertisements or promotional materials, even print materials, don't have inaccessible color combinations that would make it hard for a person with colorblindness to read them. Thanks for joining us. Caveat Realtor is a weekly podcast with episodes released every Tuesday. Our podcast is available for streaming through iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and Google Play. Subscribe to our podcast to get automatic updates when we have new episodes and rate us. Remember, members of Virginia Realtors have access to our legal hotline where we can provide you with legal information. You can access the legal hotline on the Virginia Realtors website under the legal tab on the four members section. Make sure you are logged in to see this page.
0: Although the members of this podcast are attorneys, the legal information in this program is not a substitute for personalized legal advice from an attorney licensed to practice in your jurisdiction. The information provided by Virginia Realtors is general reference work as a public service and does not constitute solicitation or provision of legal advice. We provide this general legal information on an as-is basis. We make no warranties and disclaim liability for damages resulting from its use. Legal advice must be tailored to the specific circumstances of each case and laws are constantly changing. The information provided in this program should not be used as a substitute for the advice of competent counsel.
1: This has been a production of Virginia Realtors, copyright 2021. This podcast features a song Please Listen Carefully by Bazaar, available under a Creative Commons attribution share-like license.